This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and I am so sorry the episode is one day late. Uh, I did spend all of Monday driving back from the Bay Area Open, which did happen this weekend, so we moved the podcast up one day. I also have a little bit of con crud, so bear with me if I sound a little weird or have to cough a little more often than normal. With me, I brought Mr. Peter the Falcon who just got back from a very long flight across the world. Well, kind of. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Ah, and then the man, the myth, the legend, the world heavyweight champion of the world, Jeff in Control Robinson. Thanks for having me. Uh, so today's episode is going to be a good one. We're basically going to talk all about the final game of the Bay Area Open. We were originally going to have Jim Vessel on the episode and have it be similar to the Adepticon episode when Jim um, <clears throat> uh, Jim and Juice talked about their lists uh, and their final game at you know at Adepticon. As that episode was very highly received by all of you. Uh, unfortunately, Jim got caught in the warp and couldn't make it. So it's just going to be the three of us, uh, though there's still plenty to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bay Area Open. We're going to talk about Jeff's list. Uh, a lot of people have been wondering what makes it work. It's, it's a very unique list, uh, and so I think a lot of people are kind of interested to see how he runs it. Uh, and then we'll also talk about that final game and a little bit about streaming and uh, Twitch chats in general. Um, there's some good stuff here. So it's, it's going to be a shorter episode. I don't think my voice can handle it anymore. But before we go on... This episode was brought to you by the Boise Cup, the Throne of War GT in Honolulu, Hawaii, Frontline Gaming, and of course, you beautiful patrons. You all make it happen. And of course, it, we are beginning to give, we give away one thing every month to the patrons uh, as a thank you. Uh, this month, it's going to be one High Roller Las Vegas Open package. Uh, it's going to be for free. This is this weekend is your last chance to enter. So as soon as you hear this episode, uh, this weekend, June first and June second, uh, will be the last chance to enter. So sign up for the Patreon by then to have a chance to win that awesome high roller LVO package. And that's it. All right. So before we go on and and let Jeff take it away, uh, the Bay Area Open was awesome. Peter and I went on a Spirit Quest in San Francisco. It was great seeing all of your lovely faces. Uh, I know uh, Peter, whenever he goes to these events, people always reach out to him and thank him for what he does in the community. And the same goes to everyone who goes to Jeff and myself and Reese and Frankie. So it's always great to see you guys and go out to these events um, and just, you know, have a great time. 
It was absolutely fun. The Bay Area Open did happen this weekend, and we will be covering it, or we'll be covering other tournaments next week uh, on our normally scheduled chapter tactics. So, Jeff, uh, before for anyone else who hasn't seen the Bay Area Open or maybe doesn't know what happened, uh, do you want to briefly go over your list, uh, talk about some of the decisions you made building the list, uh, why you decided to bring what you brought, um, and then kind of just briefly talk about your tournament experience? Sure. Um, <clears throat> just before, I would say two weeks before the Bay Area Open, I was really zeroing in on taking a Chaos Space Marine and Demon list, very Slanesh heavy. Not necessarily because I thought it was the best list in the whole world, but because I'm pretty enamored with the Slanesh release that just came out. I think the Contorted Epitome is so fun, Celeste. Um, I love the synergy with the Demonettes. So a lot of that stuff was going to be really cool, and then I wanted to have three Lord Discordants in there and, and just do something with that, and thought that'd be cool. But the way it lined up with what I would get the models and what I would be able to put them in the hands of um, Adrian, who's the guy that paints a lot of my stuff, and Israel who paints kind of the more detailed, bigger stuff, it was going to be like, can you guys get it to me Wednesday? And then the BAO is like Friday. Um, so I was super uncomfortable with A, asking them to paint that fast, and B, taking a list that I don't know as well to a tournament that's as important as the BAO. So I kind of pulled an audible and the week before BAO I just dreamt up um, a Custodes list and it's very similar to the one I took to Battle for LA. I think you're going to if I ever take Custodes you're going to be seeing as long as I can two Cladiuses and a Teleman. I think it's just an incredible firebase and I really 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 like it um, but oh is that Jim? Well, Jim, uh, hold on, hold on, Jeff. Whoa, we're we're live studio coverage from the warp. Jim, Jim, can you hear us? Jim. Okay. We could hear him. Uh, anyways, long story short, the list I I, I actually won Battle for LA is that we kind of talked about in one of the episodes, and that was cool. But I really didn't like that list. It doesn't have the ability to go into buildings very well. Um, so it was kind of a surprise to win. It was, it was probably lucky if anything. So I knew I had to change that up. So it has this current list has a lot of indirect fire. And then I put in the Aqualon Firepike Terminators um, as kind of my SWAT team, like in case some pansy can, uh, chaos player decided to hold up in a building I was going to kick it in with the golden light and walk in there and show them the purifying, cleansing light of the Emperor. Um, so I guess real quickly, the list, it is a Katachan Battalion, two company commanders, and I did do Grand Strategy and Kurov's Aquila. I would get like three or four command points back a game, and that was really, really valuable. Very awesome. I love the rerolls. Um, is mostly what I was using for. Not as much stratagems, but more rerolls and a couple of extra stratagems is always nice. Um, and the three units of infantry with the mortar. The mortars were absolute garbage in Katachan and individual. They, there's, if there's anything I would change in my list, I would absolutely drop those and put that 15 points somewhere else. And then I took a Wyvern and I took a Basilisk and I put that in the Emperor's Wrath detachment from Vigilus. So that I could have the option to double shoot the Wyvern or Basses, but probably the Wyvern. And honestly, I did that probably twice out of the nine games. And if I could do it over again, I probably would still keep that in. Just because in the Tau matchup, I think it's a really strong tool. I just never faced any Tau. Then I had a Gry Battalion with two Engine Seers and three units of Rangers, each with an Arquebus. Um, and every game except for the last, that was awesome. The snipers are really, really cool. And I had extra points, so I gave them Omnispexes, so they ignored cover. 
that part I think was almost never relevant, but what if it was? Yay. And then I took a Custodes spearhead that had two Cladiuses with the accelerators, which is all you should ever take on them. And then the Teleman. And then I took a unit of three Aqualon Firepike Terminators, um, Constantine Valdor, and the Vexilla with the Magnifica. And then I had extra points, so I think the Terminators and the, the Banner all had little stabby swords called Misericordias that do nothing. <laughs> and an Assassin, excuse me. Uh, so so one thing that I one common theme that I heard people talking about your list or wondering where your games was the status of the Terminators like oh did the Terminators live did they die did they kill anything were the Terminators it felt like everyone was really hyped to see what the Terminators did yeah so if you could give them a grade for the whole tournament and, and an explanation with that grade what would you do give them yeah I think um one of the questions I most commonly get asked is what was the most outstanding, like what was the MVP of my list for the tournament? I think the very boring and obvious answer is the Caladius. It's kind of the featured tank, but my list is all about how it works together. And to answer your question, the Terminators ended up being really important, really, really important. There was a lot of, like in my list, the Magnifica is nice for the minus one to hit, obviously, but if I have three Terminators um, deep striking, it represents something completely different. I would see opponents begin to move their armies because of the potential for them to get called down real close. And then with the snipers, that was a lot of perceived board control that I didn't even have to say or do anything. They just kind of looked at the table and were like, well, I got to hide in buildings and be around this corner and I can't come to the middle because those Terminators will drop down right in my face, so I'll just die. And there was a lot of stuff like that. And then if they weren't thinking that, they were thinking... Well, I need to leave something in the backfield because if I don't, those terminals will drop down and take over my backfield. So my opponent ended up having to spread out their assets. And a lot of 8th edition lists right now, you could draw with your own fecal matter in a cave, uh, squatting naked. Like, they'd just be like, Mah. this kill things. And they like, circle it a whole bunch with kill, kill. <laughs> and then when you get to the game and you have a list that kind of spreads them out and makes them start to think differently about the game it's really hard for them, right? Their assets are like these five things, and these five things run at you and they kill you, and if they do, they win. If they don't, they lose. But if I have Terminators that don't show up until turn three, suddenly that thing that they, they require, they put a whole asset in their backfield and they leave it there because of the potential for the drop. So they were incredible. I'd give them an A. They are amazing. Okay. Right on. Uh, do you think they can be slotted into any Custodes list, or do you think they need some they need some level of experience or a list designed around them for them to be good? I don't necessarily think it has to be any custodial list. Um, I just think that function is so important. Way back when I was writing lists for Admech and stuff like that, one of the things they lacked was, you know, they have incredible shooting with the Castellan robots and stuff like that, but if, if you just have stuff in the backfield scoring, or if you can just get around a corner, and that's just the way that the board is, uh, Admech fell off really quick, so that's why I had a lot of indirect fire in those lists, or some assault element and that's what they kind of represent so if your list has um just the normal custodian terminators that's fine if you have wardens that's cool but you just need to in my opinion have something that gets around and assault stuff and occupies space elsewhere if you just shoot the shit out of people i mean ask any tau player you'll, you'll win a lot of games and that's great but you're gonna run into some feels bad where it's like i just didn't see him and they scored more points than me and then i lost i guess I hate that feeling, so I'll never let it happen. Or I'll try not to. And uh, what are your thoughts? I, I think I already know them, but uh, on uh, the Flamers versus the Stormbolters on them. 
I ended up liking the flamers um, in the meta because there's a lot of Eldar flyers. And they're actually particularly good at hurting Eldar flyers. It's not like they're so incredible that they're the one-shot kill type of thing. But on that Eldar flyer that they made minus three to hit or, you know, one that's got the final few wounds, those 3d6 flamers at range 12, strength 6, minus 1, 1 damage is a pretty good answer to reliably do 3, 4, 5 damage or so. Um, which can end up dropping one of those flyers and, and removing a key asset. Other than that, it's a little bit of a wash. You get you save, I think it's 10 points by going with the Illustrum Bolter, I believe it's called, or whatever. Yeah, 10 points per model, yeah. Yep, it's about 10 points less. The 10 points is obviously a big deal, especially if you do a bigger unit. It would have saved me 30 points. And then that all of a sudden, in com- combination with the 15 from the mortars and stuff like that, now we're talking 45 points and we're really starting to move things around, so... That would be nice. At the end of the day, I think I would still keep the Flamers because there's some utility there that I really like. Um, it, it's also Strength 6, which specifically kills Tough 3 Infantry very well. Uh, and in a lot of matchups, I found that super useful. Now, that being said, there was a few times where I definitely rolled to like four shots off of three guys or five shots. And I was like, wow, this is not what I was hoping for. And, you know, they make their couple saves and you'll need. So it has the, the variance, but I ended up liking it a lot. Okay. Peter, do you have anything more to ask him about his list before we move on to the rounds? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess you can answer some of this as you go through the rounds, but uh, for your assassin pick, was it essentially the Vindicare every time, or did you mix it up? I did mix it up quite a bit. Um, I still haven't taken the Eversur, and there was one matchup where I was going to do it. I think the Eversur is very good, but my list is a lot of board control and, and kind of staying power, and the Eversur is a bomb, I think. So if you have a more salty, chargey, in-your-face kind of list, I think Eversur makes a lot more sense um, because it can get kind of lost in the confusion of what's going on. But a lot of my games, like turn three and four, were still halfway across the table, not like all up in your face. And if I had an Eversur, he would just show up and be like, oogie boogie, and then, you know, kill an infantry <laughs> squad and die, which is still cool, but not super, super effective. So I, I would say of the nine games, I probably did the Vindicare six, and then I did the Kalidus twice and the Eversur once. And that was in the Seer Council matchup. Or the Kalexus, you mean? What yeah. did I say? You said Eversur, but you meant the Kalexus. I meant the Kalexus, yeah. Not that we silly all Eversur. Everyone here um, knows. I will say, at two command points, it's it's still good, by the way. In case that was a, a question for anybody. like I don't regret the Assassin pick. In, in any Imperium list I take, there'll be 85 points missing, and I will slot out two command points. The utility is incredible. The Kalidus in one game didn't make any stratagems cost anything at all. And then against Carlos, it made three stratagems cost more, which ended up depleting all his command points in the first turn. Which, again, just really controls what they are able to do. Um, and it's a super big deal. Or was it that matchup? Or maybe it was Dawn. Either way, it's, it's just a very powerful thing to have. And, it, and yeah, we'll talk about it in each matchup because the Assassins all had a presence. But it, I loved it. Okay, uh, so l- let's talk about your first, your day one, um, and then th- these can be a little more brief, um, because you obviously, I think you went, was day one the day you went undefeated? Two and one. Was, okay, so you went two and one day one, um, so tell us briefly about the games and then about your loss to Brandon. Yeah, well, I, I like how you keep saying brief, but it's me, so suck yeah. on it, Pablo, I'm going to talk fair, forever. Fair. <laughs> um, first game was against a... I believe, if I remember this correctly, it was a... Was that that game? 
I can't remember what was my first game. Should we pull I, it up? Can we pull it up? I bet we can pull it up. Give me two minutes. Yeah. I w- so while you're doing that, I'll talk about my second game real quick. Because I remember sure. that. And my third, of course, against Brandon Grant. But my second game was against a guy named Lauren Dole who took uh, mostly sisters, but it was an Imperium list. And this is a really cool matchup because, A, I've never played against Sisters in 8th edition, but B, um, something went down in that game that I think is an important lesson for everybody. Like, um, He's a really soft-spoken, artsy, kind of nice, hipster-looking guy. And he took this eclectic Imperium list that had like a Smash Captain and Sisters with their um, organs that shoot missiles, and they have freaking before the game moving flamers and he had strength six swords for three damage with minus three like all this weird sister shit that i've never faced at all but he did a really nice job of explaining all of it beforehand we had this really nice game and his smash captain went absolutely ham and ended up like it was a blood angel smash captain and gets in my backfield kills a tank jumps on another one threatens to kill that almost gets to the telemann like it was this really ridiculous thing so it was a very close game and at one point, I was pretty sure I was going to lose, actually. But the game then switches in my favor, and I end up winning big. But we end up getting into, like, four or five arguments about just very normal Warhammer stuff. Um, but the reason I'm telling the story is because I actually... This will come back in the gym game, and I want to talk about this. Because the stream was going ham on what's rude and what's not in Warhammer and whatever. And it, it was just weird. Because there's a lot of people that give me the vibe that they don't play a lot of competitive Warhammer. But when you play Warhammer... Debates are just going to come up. If they don't, that's cool. It doesn't necessarily have to, I guess. But in a lot of competitive tournaments, especially at bigger ones against good players, you're just going to have debates. You're just going to be like, I thought that was 11 inches. I thought it was 10. Well, let's take a look. And you measure it out. And you, t- and you really check each other and that kind of stuff. And I actually enjoy that. I think that's a big part of Warhammer. But I'm also a big, imposing, confident guy that um, speaks very plainly and you know has a confidence and sense of humor. So that can kind of intimidate people. And I don't necessarily, I'm not saying that because I'm like, I bully people or want to or something like that. It's just that people don't usually stand up to me too much. But I have to give a giant tip of the hat to Lauren because in our games, we got into like four or five arguments. And he felt very strongly that he was right. He's not trying to cheat or anything like that. So he defended himself very well. Um, but we ended up getting to a point where we go to the golden rule. I'm like, all right, dude, I guess we'll just dice it off. Okay. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's fine. But we diced off, we diced off like four, maybe five times. He won. Every single fucking one of them. <laughs> and I had this really funny moment because I'm still growing as a human, guys. I know that's hard to believe, but it's, it's happening. Where I feel like I'm right, he feels like he's right, so we're going to dice it off. That's supposed to be the end of it, right? But I'm like, he kept winning the dice off. So at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, you got to give me one, okay? You got to give me this one. He's like, no, I don't think you're right. I don't think it's 10 inches, and you should have measured before you declared it. And I was like, and I was just getting mad. So I had to kind of take a minute to take a deep breath. It's one of the maddest I've been in a war in a long time. But after the game, I appreciate it because at the because at the end of the day, he thought he was right. He argued his case. We diced off. That's supposed to be the end of it, and he won each time, which is kind of like whatever. Um, but I just want to give a shout out to him because I actually admire that. I think that's how you're supposed to play Warhammer. We'll talk more about that with the the gym thing. But anyways, his sisters did lose there, um, and then I played Brandon Grant for game three, which is a huge honor. Well, if you want to talk game one first, because I know yeah. Brandon Grant game was pretty big. Uh, game one, it was Michael Ford. He was playing. Oh, okay. Uh, it was that Lord game. Gordon. Yeah, I remember that now. Okay. I, I was confusing with the term I played the weekend before, but Michael Ford's a local guy, really nice guy. I played him before. Um, it was kind of funny. He had, we get to the table and he's like, all right, well, have at me. He's like, <laughs> it's like, but it was funny. He was like, I was looking at the, the list of people and I was like, this is the one guy I don't want to play. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. 
Uh, but yeah, he had a Lord Discordant list with like he had ten of the Havocs with the Reaper auto cannons, like the range twenty four eight shots, which is pretty good against anybody except for a guy that's got a bunch of custodies that are in your face. So um, it it was a it was just a mauling. I, anything that stepped forward died. He had three. Uh, what are they called? Not Maulers. Three Defilers. He has three Defilers, three yep. Lord Discordants, the Ten Havocs, and then that's most of his list. And it all just kind of died. He just kind of walked to the middle of the table and blew up. And he was a good spirit about it, but it was, it, I felt bad because it was kind of one of those things where like the first two he picks up is like the beginning of a Warhammer tournament. You're like, okay, that's fine. They died. The third and fourth one, your hand kind of shakily goes over to it and picks it up. And it's like, this is not going so well. Um, but he was a good sport about it. But game three. Uh, Brandon Grant, I have nothing but the, like, Brandon Grant, like, uh, I know he gets filleted up and down in every podcast, but it's deserved. He is an incredible general. He's a really good guy. And he embodies what I think you should do in Warhammer, which is, like, play honestly, play intelligently, strategically. And anyway, I could go on. It's just a huge honor. And I still think the game at LVO against Alex Harrison uh, was the best game of Warhammer I think I've ever watched. Uh, and certainly made for a really fun stream. So nothing but I, I was just excited to play him. Uh, we get Hammer Anvil pointed, and he deploys everything on the line like he's going to charge my face. And this completely caught me off guard because I see I, I know that his list is a lot of bodies and stuff, and it's tank commanders. And I was expecting him to be aggressive, but this was so ridiculous. And the whole the thing about Brandon Grant too is as you play him, he's got this really funny thing where it's kind of like Ned Flanders, like walking you through his strategy. Where he'll be like. Well, there's no hiding from you. Just going to come after you, I suppose. And he's just like lining him up. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's like it's like a hundred infantry and all this stuff in Chimeras. Um, but we had this really fun back and forth game. He ends up taking it by three points, 20 to 25. But the highlight was, I think I killed one bull run the whole game. And I didn't try. I actually tied them up. Um, I slowed them down with the Vigilus half move detachment. Then I tangle foot them. And at one point... His movement total was negative one inches. And he says, he like looks at me and smiles like, this is a good play. I have to move negative one inches, which I cannot do. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, thank you, Brandon. And he's like, that's really cool. I've never seen that before. <laughs> um, but he's just such a good, like I made probably three mistakes in the game and he capitalized on all of them. And that's at the one hand, like I jokingly tell people like, how was your game with Brandon? I say it'd be my favorite game of Warhammer I've ever played had I won. But because I lost, it's like my fifth favorite game. But he's just such a, like I said, he's just so honest, so good. And every mistake I made, he made it clear that it was a mistake. Um, he was way behind at some points. Like, he lost all his tank commanders. And most of his transports just had these fucking guardsmen wandering around. But every charge he made was the right one. He'd kill key characters. He'd score just a little bit more. And then he just holds on, just like he did in Game 7 at LVO. And, uh, or not Game 7, Game 36 or whatever that was, the, the final game. So it was a huge treat, but I ended up losing. Um, but the word on the street was that you could lose a game and make it to the finals, so everyone that lost the game was still hopeful. Which then brought me into Day 2. And my first match in Day 2 was against the Seer Council, which is something I had never faced in 8th edition either. Uh, really nice guy. It's the roommate of Ray, my teammate. Um, and he's like just adamant that he's like learning. That was the funny thing. We get to the table, and it's like, man, it's such an honor. I'm just learning Warhammer. It's my first year, and, and just, I'm so, you know, you're going to kick my butt, but I'm excited. But I look at his scores, and it's like 40, 38, and then he lost the game, and it was like 28, and I'm like, yeah, you're just learning. Get out of here. Um, but the Seer Council, I still think is, I don't know, I think it's kind of bad. Like, 
I guess it has matchups that are probably pretty good for it, but in this case, I used the Gryas strategy to shut down his move again ability. So his army got, he like, it was a really funny sequence of events because he's with the Seer Council. He's like, minus one to hit. He looks at me, I'm like, all right. Plus one save. He looks at me, I'm like, yep, that's fine. And he's like, <laughs> you know, he's going, he's like, they're super buffed up. And he's like, and here we go. Move again. And I was like, yeah, I'll deny that. Roll the four. And his army just sits in the middle of the table. <laughs> and he's like, all right, okay. And then I just killed everything around it. And the next turn, uh, he failed, like, the plus one to save. And then I denied move again. So he charged, like, a guard squad. And then I shoot it. And that's kind of how the game goes. And that's part of why I like this list. It, I designed it entirely on the idea that I want to have tools for everything. I don't want I don't want to be like, well, if I face this one thing, I'm in trouble. I want to have some answer. And the Graia Skitari detachment, the 4 plus deny off of 24 inches of any of their models, is insane. Because it's not like in a psychic phase, there's five powers that have to go off or something to be really devastating. It's generally speaking, one or two things. And the Graia allows you to be like, well, there's the one. I don't want it to go off. And you, you, you almost do every time, right? You almost always stop it. So that kind of dictated that one. Um, and then game five was oh, against... Hold what's on. Up? So before before you move on, just, just to reiterate here, Jeff mentioned something that I think you guys need to definitely pay attention to. And that That's how you handle Death Stars. Like, um, you know, a lot of times it can feel like big units of buffed up things are hard to deal with. Jeff's had two games in a row where he's dealt with big tough things like Bulgrin and a Seer Council Star. And you very easily shut them down, and then you kill the stuff around them. So I just I just want to yep. reiterate that that that's whether you're playing at the highest tippity top level or you know in your friend's garage, if you're dealing with big tough things like that and you limit their mobility, um, that's generally how you deal with them. You don't deal with them by like overpowering them or or um, trying to kill them. Yeah, just generally not efficiently how you go about doing it. See, frankly, Pablo, a lot of our listeners didn't play in 7th edition and frankly it shows so in 7th edition <laughs> we had death stars we had two up re-rollable unkillable we had invisible shit that if it touched you you actually didn't get a save and you just disappeared 8th edition's death stars are 7th edition's child's play so I, when I when I look at a unit and I'm like I cannot hurt that I'm at home I'm at peace a calmness <laughs> sweeps over me and I realize I'm, I'm in the Elysian fields and I know exactly what to do um, but yeah, so that was, he was a very nice guy. It was a, but it was a very one-sided game. Um, game five was against Bridger Han, a local guy who, uh, is running custodies as well. And he was running three Caladiuses, nine bikes, Trajan, uh, Banner. Is that it? That sounds oh, right. yeah, I think that's about it. So that, I think that's the whole list. And he was very, we got a pretty barren table, and he thought who goes first is who's going to win, and he might have been right, because I went first. And killed his tank, killed three bikes, he got to halfway through the table. Um, the scene from Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves, I believe it is, where he's crossing the field as the Civil War soldier, or whatever the hell he's doing, and he gets shot to shit. Is mm -hmm. that, or maybe that's the uh, Postal Man. Anyways... One of those movies, Kevin Costner. That's what happened. He gets halfway across the table. One bike survives, makes its charge into my assassin, kills the assassin, and then he dies. Charge of the Light Brigade. Yep, mm. the end. Uh, but he, he was 
he was very nervous. He was really excited because it's one of his first big results. He was, you know, going into it four and one or whatever and feeling good, but um, thought that he had a really bad matchup and he probably did. Which then goes to the final game, and everyone at this point has a loss, or in the case of my opponent Ruben, has a tie because I was at the highest of the one losses. So I was uh, actually Bridger was undefeated at that point, and then Ruben only had a tie. So I was constantly playing the lowest of the you know unbeatens or whatever. Um, I played Ruben, who had three Dark Eldar Razor Wing Fighters, two Hemlocks, two Crimson Hunter Exarchs, three Wave Serpents, three Night Spinners, and a Farseer Fiend. That's the list. Mm. It's one dude drop. and 13 vehicles. Um, I knew this this moment was coming. This is the, the meta list. You should not be able to go to a big tournament without seeing somebody that literally shirked all social responsibility and doesn't care about what people think and just bought that those vehicles and bought that army and is there. Um, Ruben played one of the tightest, most concise and honest games that I've ever seen. He's a really cool player out of Florida. Traveled up with Agrippa guys, and it was awesome. He, you know, uh, it was not the joking game of like what I played against Don or anything like that, but it was. There was moments that were just so freaking absurd that we had to laugh, and he was willing to do that. But he also, he had that like grab your chest, like oh moment. There's like we were like tied. No, I was up a kill, and he hadn't killed anything yet. And he shoots a Gryia unit, gets down to the final ranger, final wound fails, and then it's you know you roll the six to see if they yield, and I roll the six on the last dice of the turn. And he's like ah, he's like come on man. I'm like I know, I'm sorry dude. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but the most absurd thing that happened in that game um, is he ends up... I have nothing, by the way. Like I, I kill most of his stuff. He ends the game with three Night Spinners, a Wave Serpent, and one Hemlock on its final legs. But up in, but it's that's the slog of that game. It's like, I don't kill five Flyers in one turn. Nobody does that. Um, but I kill like one or two Flyers there. But he's killing my Cladius, and then he's killing my other Cladius, and he's killing... He's hurting the Basilisk and stuff like this. So my stuff, my kill power falls off very quickly, and it becomes a grind of stuff. But the biggest moment was the Teleman gets to halfway across the table, literally gets down to two or one wound. I think it's one wound. So it's moving four inches. It moves four inches, makes like a six-inch charge into three Wave Serpents, the Farseer, and, and makes it through that. In close combat, the Wave Serpent hitting on fucking sixes, I kid you not, hits the Teleman. Wounds the Teleman. And I'm like, not like this. Please, not like this. And I do it. I roll it. I don't have a reroll. Fail the save. Teleman explodes. It explodes for D6 mortal wounds to everything within six. It's a big boy. Oh. Kills my Terminators on a roll of a six. They had four, they had literally had six wounds left. Kills them. Kills the Wave Serpent it was in combat with. That Wave Serpent explodes for D3 mortal wounds. The two explosions combine to almost destroy the other two wave serpents, but they perfectly do six wounds to the Farseer, who has six wounds and a six-up field of pain. He makes none of the field of pains. The Farseer dies. And it was this gigantic, ridiculous moment. It gave me Killmore. It gave me Warlord. It gave me, like, two big game hunters or something like that. And it took a lot of his stuff off the field. And it was a, just a gigantic moment. But I felt amazing because I charged the Teleman forward. Like, if you if you hear the story, you're like, what the hell did Jeff do? Why Teleman's trash in close combat, and it has no fallback and shoot or anything like that. So the reason I did that was because I was hoping it would explode in his face. And then it did. And I think that's part of winning tournaments. It's like, there's going to be these moments where you're like, well, 
This is probably improbable, but if it happens, boy howdy, do I feel good. And it did. And I felt great. Uh, but it was a really good game. Ruben's a great guy. And I was able to win that one. Okay, well, before, before you go on, did you shake Ruben's hand at any point? Uh, I think so, yeah. Why? Did you notice that his hands are the softest of any person's <gasps> in the entire universe? I didn't, but I'm so glad you said this instead of something else. It's <laughs> just, it's absolutely weird. Like, uh, all the Floridians came up to me at one point. We were chatting, John Lennon and Richard Siegler and Ruben, and they were like, you need to shake this man's hand. I'm like, that, this is a weird fetish thing for you guys, yeah. but okay. <laughs> so I shake his hand. I kid you not. True. I didn't even know what to do. Like, my hand almost fell out of his. It was so smooth. Like, he, like I don't know if he's some kind of assassin and he's removed his fingerprints, but yeah. it was it was mental. Anyway. It's interesting. Like, it's like grasping a cloud. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It was like touching rain. Anyway. Uh, well, no, I, d- I didn't get that, but it was. Fu- I appreciate him because he was the me in most games. Like, I'm really anal and on top of, like, wound dice and, and precise measurements and stuff like that. But against him, it was the sixth game on the second day. I was really tired. And I kid you not, like, five times, he's like, how many wins on that? And it, like, has a six next to it. But I'm like, uh, I think seven or something. He's like, it's six. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Which normally is not a big deal. But to me, that, that never happens. And in this game, it happened, like, five times. So I was like, Ruben, kind of looks like I'm trying to cheat you. I really, I promise you I'm not. <laughs> he's like, I know. It's okay. Oh, all right. Stamina. Yeah. Tried to get some more wounds on stuff. But... <laughs> Uh, that did end up getting me to the top eight, which I was pretty sure um, would be the case because it was scoring really high. And there's only, I think, two undefeated at that time in the, and a tie or something. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to day three, uh, real quick, um, uh, just to give you guys kind of an idea of how close the the players were with one losses were to winning. The difference between Junior Aflehi, um, who got fifth place, and Brandon Grant, who got ninth place and barely missed the cut for day three, was five battle points. And then Brandon Grant literally needed to score uh, two battle points to beat John Lennon to get into the top eight, or uh, you know four battle points to beat Carlos Kaiser to get into the top eight. So basically, um, if you know that you're you're going to come to one of these events and there's a day three and there's not enough players to get only undefeated players, basically if you're not going to the LVO um, and you know you can get in with a win, like fight for every single point you can because Brandon. On multiple times when we were talking, um, as he stayed in our hotel room, was like I could have gotten like a point here or a point there. Like there's yep. just little, little teeny tiny things, and I know it's super easy to get compliant when you're smashing your opponent or when you're getting smashed. You know, to just give up points. But anyway, so that's especially if you're four and one or or you know low point, low scoring five and zero oh or something like that in a six round event. So just keep that in mind. Yep, it's yep. a very very big deal. Uh, so. Um, we do we do have a Jim Vessel appearance again. Uh, I'm gonna check right now to see if he's in. Jim, did you get out of the warp? Drago, deliver you safely. Can you guys hear me? I can hear okay. you. Yeah. So apparently, I'm very bad at audio because I usually use my iPhone headphones, which are just plug and play. But I use my like I had to go dig up my gaming headset from the basement, and I totally forgot that can't just plug them into every hole there's actually a specific hole for each each the mic and the headphones so you can tell how little i i game these days so uh we got jim he is here uh and uh, you came at the perfect time jim because we're about to get into day three in the top eight uh now at this point i believe you'd already been on stream once uh yeah i uh and 
I played on stream against Junior uh, Game 6 on day one. Okay. Uh, and then you won that game, obviously. You were the only player who went 6-0 and the whole tournament. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really close game. Um, Junior's an awesome guy, super nice. Uh, I think it's probably one of the easiest, smoothest game sixes I've played as far as uh, like my opponent. So, um, and it obviously felt really good to go into the top eight, six and zero. Uh, I did, I did uh, petition Reese to just end the tournament there, but uh, alas, he did not. Uh, <laughs> he did not uh, listen to my uh, my pleas. So, so uh, Jeff already did this, and we'll just do this with you now. Um, so uh, for those for the uninitiated, the people who maybe weren't paying attention to the Bay Area Open coverage or don't know who you are yet, uh, what were you running and um, what have you been running pretty much all year? They've um, seen it. Yeah, um, I've been running pretty much my standard uh, Chaos list. I haven't changed it since Adepticon. Um, actually, I haven't changed it since Dicehammer GT, which uh, was in uh, California, actually, which I won. So um, I can go through the list if you want. Yeah, just real quick. Um, it's uh, so it's sixty plague bears, uh, a unit of three nerglings, a poxbringer, and a sloppy Piper in a demon battalion, and then I have a second demon battalion with uh, a corn prince with a uh, demon axe, a change caster, ten pink, uh, brimstone horrors, fifteen bloodletters, and twenty five pink horrors, and then I have a supreme command uh, thousand sons with two demon princes of Zinch Armin, a terminator sorcerer, and then a hellforge contemptor with two conversion beamers. Beautiful. Yeah. That is a. By the way, that is a nasty list. I mean, That's it's it's. Uh, I mean, besides, uh, I've in the last seven tournaments, I think I've lost two games, both at the top tables. Otherwise, I've I've won them all. <laughs> so, um, it's been it's been performing pretty well. Yeah, and the, none of these were small tournaments. Like they're all GTs and majors, right? So. Yeah, uh, I think the smallest event that I won with it was uh, Dice Hammer, which was like a forty-person. I think it was 48 people, but the field there was super tough. Like, I played Ray uh, in my third game, day one, um, and he was a beast. I think I, I barely pulled it up by one point. Hmm. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to just alternate. Um, so round one of the top eight, then the semifinals, then the finals. Uh, and then we'll start with Jim. So tell us about your se- your quarterfinal game. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm sure uh, me and Jeff will have some things to say about this later on. Um, Oh, yeah. But um, I uh, I played John Lennon, who uh, was literally like my roommate. <laughs> so we stayed together in the same room. Um, he has Gene Sealer Cults. We actually played at the RTT on the Thursday. Um, but I was running just like a silly list. I, I brought my Renegade Knight, which I never get to play with because it's not super competitive. Um, and I played him on the top table at the RTT with his Gene Sealer Cult. So he beat me there. Um, because I obviously, I, I have no idea how to play with my knight. I just like ran it into aberrance and it died. It was awesome. So this was a really, really interesting game because we literally sat, we had dinner the night before we trash talked all through dinner. We had breakfast in the morning together, sat across from each other in silence, basically just mean mug each other. <laughs> so we were both preparing for this match. Um, I think the biggest thing about this was I knew he was going to try to take the board just based on our previous game. So it was actually quite beneficial for me to have had played him because I kind of got a feel for his play style. He has about 190 models and I knew I wasn't going to win the game by playing super aggressive. Um, But basically the game uh, started, we played Hammer and Anvil, which was to my benefit. And uh, I got to choose sides, which uh, as Jeff, I'm sure will tell you on the, the top table, 
being able to choose the side with all the enclosed ruins is like a huge advantage. Um, or not necessarily even for you, but it could be a disadvantage for your opponent. Uh, but for me, he had uh, he had a quite a few snipers, so being able to put a lot of my my soft kind of characters inside of this uh, enclosed rune right in the middle of the the board was really beneficial. And basically, I just uh, kind of sat back and waited and let him hit plague bears wave after wave. And um, the game came down to turn five, I think. He didn't get a kill, and I did. Um, and basically, I ended up winning by one point. So it was twenty to nineteen final score. Um, we had a super, super, like, um, like very, very like friendly game. Like we talked everything through, we were both like very on top of the clock. I'm sure as we'll, we'll talk about later, if you read the Twitch chat, uh, we were probably at each other's throats and wanted to kill each other because <laughs> of how much either both of us were cheating. Um, so it's, it was a really interesting game. Uh, I rewatched it on Twitch and, uh, I was, I was kind of shaking my head the whole time because <laughs> it wasn't at all like the actual game that was being played. So, hmm. so, uh, th now j just so, just so you guys are all aware, you, this is the game that you lost the blood letters because you forgot to put them in, right? Yeah. So this is actually kind of funny because in this entire season, actually, I'm trying to think right now. I don't think I've ever done that in as long as I've been playing with my blood letters. I don't think I've ever actually. I don't think I've ever done that with any unit in Eighth Edition. Forgotten them um, in Deep Strike, uh, and I think the problem was this game was actually so calm. And I said that to John because normally when I'm playing someone, whether it's a new player or maybe we're playing in the main hall, I'm very like I guess on edge and I'm very like jumpy about like what's going on. And I'm sure Jeff can attest when he was playing me that I was kind of like absent-minded and kind of all over. But um, I'm very like panicky about making sure I don't forget stuff. But against John, because we had been spending all weekend together, like we, we literally ate dinner every night together, slept in the same beds together, like all this kind of stuff. I was just <laughs> such a calm game and I was just so relaxed. And our first first two turns just went by so smoothly, so quietly. And it was so it was kind of peaceful in the stream room that we got to turn three and he starts his turn three. And I didn't, I was, I was like, just, I didn't even realize what turn it was. Like I just was so casual with our game that I thought it was like turn two. And, uh, you know, he did, he, I, I realized, and it was my bad, and I didn't ask for it back. He offered uh, to allow me to put them on the table um, on a four plus, and obviously, I'm not gonna not take that offer. Like, uh, I, hundred percent would never ask if, if I, and I said that to him. I was like, that was my mistake. Like, I'm gonna eat it. And he offered himself without me saying anything, which is a great amount of sportsmanship. And I said, sure, like. Uh, you can put them wherever you want on the board. Like I'll, I'll take that. I'm gonna, I'll take that bone that you're gonna throw me. Uh, unfortunately, I think he rolled a one, so I didn't get them, and it didn't really matter at the end of the day. Like um, I wouldn't have expected to get them, and that was 100% my mistake. So uh, that was a huge like sports um, sign of sportsmanship from him. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm sure he didn't want to win that game. Um, I, I would have hated if they did come in. It actually made a difference in the game, so I'm I kind of glad partly that they didn't come in because it would have felt wrong for me that uh, had they come in and like maybe caused some some issue or killed something really important, and then it felt like he he that cheapens your win. yeah he like gave me the win when he didn't have to you know what I mean so yeah. um so so real quick uh you obviously lost blood letter unit would it be safe to say that you were playing from behind? And that it was kind of a come-from-behind win? Um, I'd say yes and no. I mean, the thing is, uh, we were playing with even objectives. 
And I knew as soon as we were playing with even objectives that I actually had the advantage because I was always going to get kill more. So knowing that we would probably both hold, I just had to make sure that he never held more. So that so my plan was make sure I keep him on his side of the board so he can never hold more. And then all I have to do every turn is kill more than him. And when you're playing Gene Seer Cults, that's exceptionally easy because literally everything is Guardsmen. So, uh, except like the one unit of Aberrance. So um, that's what I did. I just, I kind of waited out and I just made sure that I kept him on his side of the board and tried to screen out as much as I could in the backfield and just ma just waited for those opportunities to get the kills. And that's basically what happened. Um, I, I took Kingslayer on his Patriarch, which in retrospect is a mistake, but his Patriarchs never really got in combat. I think one charged at one point, but for the rest of the game, they were kind of, he played super cagey with them. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to look back and say, okay, was that, was that the right call? But um, definitely I feel like the even though the score was really close, I never felt like um, I didn't have a plan to win that game. I would say of the games that we streamed, um, that one was the most like a chess match of any of them. Um, it was like everything was so tight until you forgot the blood letters and then near the end when John forgot to shove up his broodlord. But other than that, like it was such an intense game and everything was movement. There were like, it was, yeah, I like the chat, um, does not, uh, belay how that game was actually going down. It was quite intense. I really enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, it was, it was very much a game of trades. So, you know, he, he went after my pox bringer. And he gave up unit of acolytes for it, and I was like, okay, that's a good trade because in his list, the the three acolyte units and the uh, the aberrants are like their only real threats. So I'll lose a poxbringer for a unit of acolytes because once those three units are dead, he just has guardsmen left, and that's not gonna be able to kill me. So uh, I I would have I would take that trade every time. Hmm. Um, all right, Jeff. So let's go ahead and go to your game against Carlos Kaiser. Uh, um, I actually, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to hear about this game, so I don't, I don't know. Well, obviously, I know you won, but that's about it in terms of what the events that happened in the game. Um, so, what, what, what happened there? So, Carlos runs thirteen Virtus Praetor bikes and a shield captain, uh, the banner Magnifica, and then a Gria battalion, and that is his list. Oh, and five Aquilon Termeers with the boulders. Um. I guess, yeah, so this game is pretty straightforward as well. He kind of came to the table with the same feeling as Bridger Han, which is really, it's nice, by the way, when you're in, like, the final tables and the guy comes over and is like, I can't beat you. It's like, oh, wow, I feel good now. Um, he set up, and it was the same kind of thing. You could see Kevin Costner fluttering his flag on the other side of the field, and he's him and Mel Gibson. They're kind of like, guys, we could do this. And Mel Gibson did it in every, every scene as Braveheart. Except for that last one. That last one where they tried to make one one final charge and they just weren't able to, they just couldn't quite get there. And that was this game. So he kind of got to mid-table, got shot to shit, and then a couple of bikes made it to my lines. Um, Constantine Valdor was like kind of disgusted with himself that came to this, but he was fine with the, the final couple of kill strokes and that was it. And I'm not even like, I wish I could dress this up more for you guys, but literally when the when the list is 15, you know, 14 bikes or in against Bridger, it was, it was nine. Like, that's all they do. They charge you. And if, if you can't deal with them, you're dead. <laughs> if you can, uh, you game. Yeah. And, and those are the risks you take taking lists like that. Right. So yeah. anyways. Um, okay. So Jim, back to you. 
uh, your semifinal game. So you just come off a close one with John Lennon. Um, and I believe your next game was against Jack Harpster. Actually, Richard I don't Siegler, know. Who is also was Richard Siegler, okay. my roommate. <laughs> and I also played at the RTT on the Thursday. So he was actually also from Brohammer. He, him and Ruben and John are all, uh, from Florida and they're all great guys. Um, I'm sure as, uh, Jeff yes. attested to, um, so this game, honestly, Tau is one of those lists where armies where like, depending on terrain, um, the game will either be over before it started. And I was lucky we played on a, a table with a good amount of blind side blocking terrain. So we played corner deployments and I was basically able to deploy my entire army outside of line of sight. Um, I put everything I couldn't fit into deep strike. And then um, I put all my characters basically on top of a building with plague bears in front of them. Uh, gave him the first turn. He played super. He played. A, he always uh, mankas, which is the one where he gets to move. So he took the middle of the board, but uh, he got really sloppy and he put his broadside about like two inches ahead of his. Uh, sorry, not his broadside, his riptide on a top of a building. But because it was on top of a building, the edge was sticking about an inch past his uh, ground level drones, and so I was able to jump all my characters to the top of the building, but in my zone and smite off the broadside because it was the closest. Or sorry, riptide because it was the closest thing. So he actually lost one of his riptides turn one. And then from there, it was basically a foregone conclusion because um, I just waited till turn three to bring down my whole army. And then he had basically three shooting phases to table me. Uh, and there was just no way he was going to do that to minus two, two hit, to hit Plague Bears. I was getting kill more every turn. So uh, this actually ended up being one of my easier games of the weekend. And uh, obviously, Richard's an excellent player. But the table, the terrain, the, the mission just weren't in his favor and uh there wasn't much it wasn't at the end of the day like it wasn't he didn't have much chance and uh that's not his fault like had we played any other deployment had we played on uh, a table with lighter train i think uh that game is a lot closer but you know it just just wasn't in the cards for him yep. all right and then finally jeff versus don yeah another shellacking if i remember it ended up a shellacking but don's list is super scary and don is a incredibly good player um it's always a treat to play him as well, because I would put him very different in demeanor, obviously, but somewhere in the ballpark of Brandon Grant in the sense that, like, this is not a guy that's going to get his rules wrong. This is not a guy that has a unit that's illegally constructed. He is not going to bullshit you. And then also, like, Brandon Grant, he knows your rules really, really well. So if you get sloppy on something or forget something, he'll correct you or he knows it. So it's just a really cool, straight-up, Warhammer game, and I always look forward to that. Um, and the Don and I have a pretty good rapport, so was, we were also goofing around a little bit. And he kicked my ass at the top table of the BAO last year, so um, I was giving him some some ribbing about revenge coming, and, and uh, thankfully I didn't have to eat my words too hard there. Um, but it was a pretty. It's one of those things too, where again I got I got lucky. Like we got long deployment, and I think I got to go first. He was shooting minus one weapons, a lot of them, mind you, but he was shooting them into tanks that had cover and, well, they were touching terrain and they were obscured, so I was getting mostly three-ups for the entire um, game. And I ended up, like, his list just falls apart as it loses assets. But I think the biggest ordeal in that, it was fun to showcase the different things that Custodes can do, but he dropped three Heldrake, I mean, didn't drop, he ran three Heldrakes up into my face. Um, did some pretty decent damage to that. Killed a Caladius, which is a big part of my firepower. Um, but then he had those three Heldrakes within relative range. And I actually teleport Homer, which is a three command point stratagem that the Custodes have. The Aquilon Terminator's in there. 
and them with Constantine Valdor and the banner and the combined shooting wiped out the three Helldrakes, killed a Dreadnought, which took him off of one of his objectives, because mind you, his entire army is Dreadnoughts and Helldrakes and Lord Discordance, and then I wounded another one. So his firepower was diminished, and then his ability to tie stuff down was gone. And the rest of the game was pretty much a shooting gallery. His Discordance charged two separate guard infantry uh, units and killed him, and then died. And that was it, was it was a pretty open and shut case, but Don was a really good sport about it the whole time. I think the other big deal in this game was the Caladius, or Caladus, excuse me. I believe it cost him a few more stratagems, which he Don always kind of boasts. He only has like four or five going into it, and it ended up soaking up a couple of those as well. Uh, but then the other strength that I think is a weakness in his list, and his list has indirect fire, but the Caladus occupied one of the objectives and gave him the hard choice of like, how many shots do you want to put into her to try and get her off an objective while she's got five wounds and a four up in you know? Um, sitting out of line of sight. And then and then I pressed forward to the middle of the table with non-character stuff to even eliminate that option from him. So uh, my list is very much so board control, and his list is all about murdering your face. And when you stop them from being able to murder your face, they don't have options. Yeah, and and that's actually that's actually really cool, because I, I did notice that trend with his list. Because his other game that he lost, he also um, says that he miscalculated the shots on killing things, and basically was overconfident and his list's ability to kill things. In this case, also things that were out of line of sight. Um, and I feel I feel like in my Tau games, or games where I played against high shooting armies, um, you can definitely bait your opponent into taking too many shots or overkilling things and just making their shooting phase inefficient. Yeah, um, he had one pivotal turn, and it, it's, it's on... Um, this is a good time to pimp this out, but Frontline Gaming underscore TV on Twitch. You can watch the VODs of most of these games. Um, the one Jim's talking about against John, and then uh, both my games at the end there are on there. But there's a moment with Don where his Derradeo has three different weapon platforms. It's got like two heavy bolters, the indirect fire, and then the butcher cannons. And he split all three of them up, and he put six heavy bolter shots into a one-wound Caladius. And he didn't kill it, because I was still getting three ups, and it's just a combination of, you know, just not enough wounds went through. It's not it's nothing crazy. He like did two wounds, and I made two three ups or something like that. Maybe it's three. But because he messed that up, he didn't get a whole nother kill, which might have been a kill more type of thing. It's not like a one-wound Caladius turns that game around, but ITC is very points-driven, so if you're not getting those points, um, that can cost you, like we, we heard earlier with Jim's game where he was he felt very confident. He won that by one point, right? So a couple of decisions like that, and all of a sudden, Jim loses that game and history changes. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, let's let's talk about this final game. Um, but before before we get into Jim and Jeff and, and your guys' kind of takeaways from it and the Twitch chat and all that, uh, Peter, going into the final game, I'm sure Twitch chat had a lot of stuff to say. And I know from spectators at the event, I know there was a general consensus of how the game was supposed to go. Uh, but just judging from from your kind of feeling going into the game, Peter, what, what was the kind of consensus about the result of this game? Well, a lot of people, the thing about Twitch chat, right, is it's like a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Um, so there's a lot of favorites, a lot of, a lot of stuff playing down. 
Um, a lot of Jeff fans in there. So a lot of people were like, Jeff's going to win. It doesn't matter what Jim does. Um, and then there were a lot more like cagey people that were saying like, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for Jeff. He's going to really need that side of the board that has all the terrain on it. Uh, and by that, like the board was actually relatively even other than just off right of center, um, of the board, there was a large like foundry piece. And, um, that was kind of key to a lot of the games that were played on this table was who had that piece and who controlled it. Um, with the exception of Don versus Jeff, because that was just like a shooting gallery back and forth and Don couldn't hide anything in it anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, like it's, it, it would, if you discount like some of like the fanboying, um, it was definitely, I would say about a 50 50 on that. Um, a lot of people didn't, it was do the Caladius rip apart enough plague bearers, uh, that, uh, they can get at Jim's innards. Um, does Jim get enough board control and get in Jeff's face so that he can't do anything? Um, yeah, I would say it was relatively, uh, back and forth in the chat yeah. pregame. Yeah. And, and, uh, that was kind of the feeling I got as well, talking to like Reese and Ray and uh, a couple of other really good high level players that were kind of standing around. There was actually maybe like 20 people watching the game at one point live, um, just kind of gathered around it. And it was a really, really exciting game. So um, obviously we're going to spoil everything for you now, but um, you know maybe a month from now go back and watch it. And there's a lot of really good stuff in it from both players, uh, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned and you know tactics to be gained. So, but yeah, that was the general consensus as well that I got was that uh, both lists actually matched up really well against each other, despite the fact that they're very, very, very different lists. Um, you know, and and obviously Jeff and Jim have been playing these style of lists for a while now i i I know jeff's been playing the tanks i I wouldn't call maybe the i I wouldn't call you the pioneer of the the three cladius tanks but maybe one of the pioneers because it definitely called the pioneer then pablo uh well you know um i don't know so yeah you know i but i I also don't want to put my foot in my mouth and go like oh some australian podcaster's like oh yeah i ran that months before jeff and i won the the down under gt you know and beat Probably, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you someone know what, Pablo, else. <laughs> like, I think you're right. I think you're right in saying he is one of because uh, in the UK there have been a couple of really good players that have also been running Trip Caladius for about a month now. Um, so yeah, it's but it's definitely been a thing that, and I, and I don't I don't want to take anything away from Jeff. Obviously, uh, Jeff and Jeff doesn't run. Yes, let's be clear. Jeff does also run a Teleman, which most people don't. Yes, that is his spin on it. And he's also switched around a little bit with the knight and stuff. The point is, is that uh, Jim's clearly run the same list, you know, this season, you know, and Jeff's run this triple grav tank list um, to fami- famousness, fame. Well, the note on Jim, which I think is really fun and, and it's cool about the state of Warhammer right now is Jim has inspired a lot of demon players. They... They yeah. were not getting success with demons. It was not doing well. And then Jim took this list that is like very much so eclectic, but not it's not a skew list either, right? It's not like he found a forge world something or another and it's like that's what did it. Nobody the rules are broken. We need to change that. It's just infantry done right, character rule done right, a good mix, good powers, and then yes, it does have the Contemptor Dreadnought, which is powerful, but nobody looks at that list and says this is like taking advantage of something stupid. It's just got the right mix and the right tools. So well, Jim ends up... Hang on, Pablo. Hold your horses or your tits <laughs> or whatever it is you hold. Just hold them. Uh, but he's the victim, in this case, a little bit of his own success, which I think is really cool, actually, of course. 
Uh, I played against his list a whole bunch because everyone loves demons and they have these models and he's inspired a bunch of people. So one of the guys that comes over to my house just about every Tuesday for the last three months has run a list very similar to that. And I've tried some things that worked and I've tried some things that don't work. But this list against that that stuff actually works quite well, especially when the assassins and snipers are absolute pieces of shit. Which we will find out that they were and then they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So uh, l- let's go ahead and talk about this game now. So, Jeff, Jim, what were kind of your thoughts going into the game? Um, y- you know, talk about the first turn rule. Uh, Jeff, I'd love to hear your thoughts on picking the Vindicare Assassin versus picking, uh, say, the Calexis and Caladus mm-hmm. Assassin. And I know Jim's got some great insight that I on uh, people picking the Calexis assass- Assassin against him. So go ahead and just kind of like lead off with all that. I'll go ahead. You go first, Jim. Yeah, I think um, so. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, that table, the roll off to pick sides uh, was, I think, more important than who went first. Like, um, I think in that specific matchup, him having the uh, kind of hiding spots was was huge. And um, you know, you can look at that table and say it's uneven. But it's only uneven in certain deployments, right? So if you if we're playing Dawn of War, then that table is perfectly even, right? It's actually exactly even. Um, if we're playing, uh, you know, a corner deployments, um, you know, that's it's also quite even. Um, so being the hammer and anvil, the hammer and anvil is kind of where it got skewed, and I think that was a huge, huge role that uh, Jeff made to be able to pick that side. Uh, I think that was that had a huge impact on the game because um, it, it kind of forced me to stay a lot farther back in my zone um and then as far as his assassin choice so uh you know jeff absolutely made the right call at the vindicare uh and i'll tell this to every imperial player out there if you're playing thousand sons with any amount of infantry the calexus is a giant trap and i'll tell you that right there because what what the calexus does is it gives the infantry a unkillable model to wrap that keeps all of their infantry from getting shot. And if I wrap your Klexus with Plague Bearers, then my Plague Bearers basically live live forever because they're never going to hit it and kill it. And uh, with a Thousand Suns, because of the mobility of the Demon Princes and the, the range of the Smites, you can basically just dance around the 18-inch range. And even if you don't, you can still kind of eat it with a, with a minus two to cast. So um, I thought, uh, Jeff, and, and I said that actually to uh, one of the guys earlier, I think it was John, I said, if Jeff picks a Klexus, He's gonna lose the game like that. I'll, I'll know that he he hasn't played this matchup before, but he obviously picked the right right uh, right right assassin right off the bat. So, so, and Jeff, do you do you know that, or was that just kind of like I'm gonna go with the Vindicare? He's he's my bread and butter. I it's especially true if you have nothing that can deal with the plague bears and jump on top of them. Um, and my list only has like a sm- like a not very much assault, and it has the three terminators, which obviously don't do all the lifting. So I was pretty, I was pretty cognizant and aware of that. And like I said, that's one of the things in practice that we notice. Um, the guy I play against actually also brings in summoning points to drop in flamers and kill it if he doesn't get the rapid or something like that. Um, so the Klexus just doesn't do that much, and they get a lot of plus one to cast anyways. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have as much of an impact. Yep. All right. So uh, talk about um, your mindset after you win the the role to see who gets the which deployment zone, Jeff? So, I'll, I'll say this too, and this will ramp up to a rant that I think Jim and I both have, actually, which will be fun, but, like, uh, I was just excited. First of all, 
Jim is like he's having an, a historic, amazing year. He is the hype man, and I, in my own head, think of myself as a very, very good player as well. And I was given another opportunity to kind of show that, so I was just really happy in general. So that's why I was kind of goofing around and joking through a lot of this, is I was just happy. Win or lose, this is a really good result, and it's a unique list that I had designed. You could say I pioneered, and uh, I was just happy to be there, and, and I thought I had a good chance as well. I was really afraid of Richard Siegler's Tau list because Tau is fucking bullshit, basically. And no, I'm just kidding. I love you, Tau players. <laughs> or I don't. I don't have any feelings for you at all. But um, that list worried me. I thought that was going to be a really hard matchup. And it's not like I look at Jim's list and say, oh, wow, I, I think I can destroy that. Like I thought I could with some of these. Like, to be honest, I got really good matchups. The Custody matchups were really good for me. Like, I outranged them and I got to go first against them. And. I was killing their assets, and they had to make this big, long charge across the table. But also, Cladius's move 14 inches and half flies, so even if he gets in my face, unless he kills it outright, which would be a huge mistake on my part, aka it doesn't happen, I just kite backwards and kill. Uh, and then Don's list was really scary, but I also had the tools for that. Jim's list was one of the first ones where it's kind of like mine, where it's got tools for everything. It's not like a one-trick pony. And I thought it was going to come down to who made decisions, and yes, like some really important, of course, deployment and go first stuff. But that's kind of every Warhammer game. It's going to be very important here, too. But I felt like it was going to be a really cool Warhammer game where, like, the guy that made the coolest moves and the, and the best choices was going to win. And I get really excited about that kind of stuff. So that's why I was joking around and goofing. But. Yeah, and I obviously felt exactly the same way. Like, obviously, uh, I, like, know of Jeff. I've never, this was the first time I'd actually met him in person. And uh, obviously, like, I, I follow his kind of uh, comings and goings. Uh, I thought, I, uh, you know, I saw him winning Battle of LA, and obviously I've been following him on, uh, you know, Warhammer Community and kind of his streaming and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, I've been keeping my tabs on you, Jeff, uh, in, in the <laughs> background there. But, um, you know, I was super excited to play him because uh, I know we had kind of uh, connected a few times over, uh, like, random Facebooks and stuff. And, and mm -hmm. uh, both uh, both were looking forward to playing, getting an opportunity to play each other, whether it was, you know, in a tournament or, uh, you know, in a friendly game. And so I'm glad, I'm just, I was super excited that we got to play. And, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't think of a, a better final game because I felt uh, uh, it was a, a very tight game and it was exactly what I wanted out of uh, uh, a final game. And um, so, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and um, as a spectator, I, I do want to say that this was probably in the top three most exciting games of the year so far. Brandon Grant, Alex Harrison, number one. For sure. Hands down. But this this was a really... Just to, to be in the room, I, I, um, I guess you guys will talk about the Twitch chat in a, in a couple minutes. Feel feel it bubbling. <laughs> but um, it, to be live in the room, everyone watching it, 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 the tension was real. Everyone was laughing. Jeff was on you know his a game in terms of being an entertainer which is what jeff does he entertains his jokes were on point uh jim's jim's movement was on point there was a lot of real back and forth debate that like jeff said he likes and i think a lot of really high-end players like so if you're the kind of guy who loves high-end 40k you're not a casual you're not someone who's not with unfamiliar who's unfamiliar with the 40k tournament scene it's a really really good game to to watch and enjoy and experience so i highly recommend you check it out <clears throat> Uh, anyways, so, uh, before we, we go into, cause I do want to talk about the kind of like the games, the, the highlights of the game. Uh, would you guys like to talk about that and then finish with Twitch chat? Or would you guys want to talk about the Twitch chat stuff now? 
Uh, we should probably talk about the game first, because I'm sure, yeah, like but, Jeff, uh, I will get quite uh, animated <laughs> when we get to that point, and uh, yeah. I won't be able to be calmed down later to talk about the game. Fair enough. Okay, so so I do I do have a question um, for both of you, uh, and this kind of involves a quick little story. Uh, it, first off, the question for you, Jim, is, is, is your list going to change now? Uh, and the reason why I ask is, is Jeff made a really funny comment um, where he looked at you and he said, Jim, do you have you played Custodes before? Um, just something small and obvious, and I, I wasn't sure exactly if you knew or didn't know the rule, but it kind of, you know, it kind of gave me a little callback to when Nick Nanavati played Matt Root um, at Adepticon, and uh, Matt Root beat him, and this was before Matt Root really taken on the scene and, you know, been known as one of those really, really good players. Uh, I, I remember just a funny line where Nick Nanavati turned to his friends and was like, yeah, I just... You know, he started explaining, explaining his admic war convocation list, and I just tuned him out at T3 bodies with a 4-up save. Like, I was just like, ah. And what that calls back to is, is these meta games, which we've talked about on Chapter Tactics. Nick hadn't played a lot of admec, and back then in 7th edition, war convocation was known as more of like a, a mid, you know, Midwest slash West Coast list, right? Like, Jeff was running war convocation. Uh, Matt Rue was dominating, but only in the Midwest with war convocation. And on the East Coast, you had all these, you know, high-powered Eldar lists, uh, these Chaos Demon Star lists, um, and then the occasional, like, Renegade list that would go to, like, two turns. Right. Right? So that was that was kind of the meta there. <clears throat> so I, I, the question for you, Jim, is, is... Is there is there really like in your in your meta is there not a lot of custodes list is that a, a list that you're unfamiliar with or was that just kind of like a, a, a funny comment from Jeff am I reading too much into it so I've definitely played custodes a ton um, what I will say well first of all just playing uh, mixed Imperium so I mean I wouldn't call it pure custodes and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure uh, people would agree Ooh. but like uh, as far as custodes like book codex custodes I've played them a ton. Uh, where I was a little bit uh, hazy was the, the uh, this is the first time I've actually played with any of the beta stuff. So that, and that was ultimately what, and I did my research. Like I, I read, I, we had about an hour and a half, I think between our games. So I read all the rules. I know what those models did. I know, I knew, um, I knew like their output. I know, I knew kind of like all the rules. I think what caught me off guard, and this isn't something that I would ever get from uh, playing uh, random custodes was, how Jeff used them. And that's something that obviously uh, was apparent to me, I think around turn three or four, as we'll get to. Um, and that was probably the one part where I, it kind of hit, hit me, hit me turn three, four, where I was like, oh, okay, this is how he's going to play this list. And I think how he played the list was a lot different than the actual mechanics of the list. Cause I, you know, I knew about the banner. I knew what the terminators could do. I knew like, you know, Trahan, Valdor, uh, Constantine, whatever bloody hell the guy was. Uh, I knew I knew everything that he could do. Like, I, I knew all those tricks, and I played those tricks before. Um, but this, the way that Jeff plays the list, I think that is something that you never know. And I think until you've played someone or played someone with a similar list and seeing how they can use that list and how they can use those units, it's, uh, it's nothing, it's not, it's not anything that, like, I could have asked Jeff and he would have told me. So even if I, I, and I never, obviously, you know, Jeff didn't get there by, you know, stumbling there. He was there because he's an excellent player and he's got an excellent list. So there wasn't a, there wasn't an ever a point where I underestimated him. And I think, uh, I think you were kind of trying to ask me in, in a way, like, did I underestimate the list? Absolutely not. And I kept joking about this to Reese because um, he was asking me what I thought of some matchups. And I was like, I'm terrified of the list. And I said to him jokingly, I'm like, it's funny because I'm generally terrified of every list. Like every list I play, 
I treat mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this list is going to destroy me. And that's just like my mind, my generally my mindset of like going into a game is like, I'm going to get destroyed. How do I win this game? Um, I never take any list for granted. And I, and I 100% didn't with Jeff's. I think the biggest thing was actually seeing him play the list uh, and, and not calculating correctly on how he was going to actually move his models, for instance. Uh, Jeff, if, if you had to guess, um, what do you think some of the things that you did that Jim is alluding to um, <clears throat> in terms of the way you, you ran your list? I'm guessing it's a lot of the Caladius movement. It's something that a lot of people... I don't know it's kind of fun because I, I didn't I never really played tank lists. I've always played melee oriented and kind of aggressive lists, um, but also all comers lists. So I, I like to use things differently as opposed to just like this thing does this one thing and I hope it works. Um, I guess except for my snipers, in which case lol. But throwing them around and being able to and them having fly and having as massive movement as they do have is something that catches people a lot off guard and. We saw it in that game, which was cool. Absolutely. But it's it's a it's something that like I think it's because it's so unique too. I don't I can't really think of another because when people see a Caladius, they they hear the damage output and that occupies like ninety percent of their brain. They're like eight shots, strength eight, minus three, d three damage. That's all they think about. And then they hear a gravitic backwash, and that kind of goes in there too. They're like, okay, yeah, I can't really charge it, or if I do, I have to be right next to it. Fine. But once it starts flying around sniping stuff and then occupying space, it throws people off every time. Yeah, it, it definitely felt, and that, that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, I saw those tanks, you know, I've played a million tanks before. So in my head, I was like, okay, he's going to shoot with them. That's what tanks do. And he played them much more like flyers, like a Crimson Hunter or like a Hemlock. And uh, that is actually the part that caught me off guard was they, you know, they obviously don't move as far as a flyer, but because of the, the, um, uh, because of the way that he moved them and their speed and their um, you know ability to kind of just pop around, that really caught me off guard. And normally, if I'm playing a flyer list, I plan for that. Like I'm like, okay, how do I wrap my characters? Uh, don't go underneath ruins because that move that he pulled uh, in his turn four, that's I've, that's that's happened <laughs> to me before. People have done that to me in flyers, and I know to keep not keep my characters away from the edges of ruins because they'll land on ruins and and shoot you know, straight down. So I, you know, I've seen those moves before. It wasn't like a unique thing that the first time I saw, but I just, I didn't see it happening because I wasn't thinking about the way that he was playing those, those models. Yeah. And, and Jeff's list, I, I, I did love the way he was playing it because it can, it's very versatile, right? He can, he can kind of get into your backfield a little bit with the terminators and kind of harass you and keep you in a deployment zone. If he needs to, he can also play the gun line role, uh, and then, of course, he can kind of play the midfield, like character sniping, board position role that he that he played against you. Um, <clears throat> so it is really versatile. And I I think that's that's kind of the hallmark of a good competitive list in 40k right now is how versatile can you make it. Uh, and Jim, your list is also really versatile. It can take sure. over the board. It can reach out and put like a billion mortal wounds on something and kind of just bum rush you if you need it to. Uh, you can play a chess match where you don't do anything except kill one unit in like five turns. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the where would you say the turning point was? Um, and I think you both might say the same thing. Uh, in the game, because it did look like like Jeff was going to lose in the first oh, three yeah. turns. Well, there's multiple. So there's, there's like a ton turn of turn one, points, and I think that was what made the game so great. Yeah, yeah. like Jim's. I I won the deployment roll. I won the like all that pregame stuff really went my way. So I, I went into it feeling very good. 
And then first turn was okay. Like, Contemptor is not the scariest of threat, but it's the easiest thing for me to kill. Um, he did something almost nobody else did. Whenever somebody see, sees a Wyvern, they just assume it can shoot them, and they're like, okay, whatever. But he actually put himself 0.1 inch away from it, like, <laughs> with a lot of his stuff, so that was good. Um, I think the I think one of the other things that caught him off guard and I felt was good for me was he picked Engineers, which I thought was always going to be pretty good for me. Uh, yes, the, the Red Spine Plague Barrier unit was probably going to be there till the end of time, and God, did I... I have no idea how true that was. That one son of a bitch. <laughs> My god. But the other unit, he couldn't put it on pull, on both Plague Bear units because that would just cripple his ability to score at all just by them doing stuff throughout the game. Um, but his other engineer was always going to be problematic. So I, I felt like I was very good there. And all of turn one, I was like hopping and skipping and making my jokes and feeling good. And then turn two, he drops everything in. We need to like, we need to check out Jim's display board because i think there's like hallucinogenics coming off it or something like that but <laughs> when his army's on that board it doesn't look that big and i'm like okay yeah it's, it's a lot of bodies like what it's like 90 or something whatever but when he puts it on the table it's fucking it's everywhere it's huge and i was completely bullied into the corner and i had this like one little spot i thought maybe my terminators could go and we measured it out and that's not even the case so i just kind of at that moment sighed and was like all right well i think i'm dead i think i'm in a lot of trouble i don't because, you know, the, the name of the game, and Jim's, Jim's been saying this throughout, is like, if you can kill Plague Bears, then maybe he's in trouble. But oftentimes it takes you too long to do that. And I was looking at a game of not being able to get on top of them and not get my assets in, into the places I want them to. And I thought he was just going to outscore me by a lot. And it was turn two that I thought that. It was turn one that I, I did not think that was going to happen at all. So that was a pretty big turning point for me mentally, I guess. Yeah, and I, I, I'd agree with Jeff. Um, so I never picked my Plague Bears as engineers. I uh, usually pick my uh, my nerglings or my um, uh, my brimstones. brimstones. The thing is, the thing is, in looking at Jeff's list, there's 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 no easy kill secondaries. So uh, a big game hunter is in- incredibly hard. Had I taken it, I would have gotten one point. Uh, Headhunter is incredibly hard because he's got two of probably the toughest characters in the game to kill, and then he's got three engineers, engine seers, and commanders that I will never see if he doesn't want me to. Um, there's, you know, I could take a mark for death here or there, but then again, I'm, the things I'm picking again are Caladiuses and Dreadnoughts. So I knew that trying to pick any sort of kill base secondaries was not going to work. Um, at the end of the day, that really left me with very little choice, which was Engineers, uh, Recon, and Ground Control. Now, not um, not playing my Plague Bears as Engineers that often uh, is something that also like kind of threw me off a little bit, which was... Um, I got them. I played them a little too aggressive. Like I should have sat them back, and just not not like sat them back within three of the, the one of the objectives rather than kind of going for it. And uh, that actually did end up costing me because um, they didn't get score points for two turns. And I think they lived till turn five, I believe. So had I not uh, played them too so aggressively, I think I could have uh, maybe scored full points there. Um, yeah. And then as far as like the other secondaries, like again, uh, I think recon was was easy for me to get, but I didn't get it because I, um, you know, I could have gotten it. I got three out of four, but the game started to turn back the other way uh, by the time I was kind of getting to the point where I could get that fourth point and I had to kind of retreat a little bit. So, um, but again, it, it was a secondary that I definitely could have gotten had I played it a little bit tighter. Mm. <clears throat> All right. Well, th- th- that's good. Um, I-, I think 
I think that's pretty much it. Because after the turning point, it's really just you know brilliant movement on Jeff's part, and then Jim really trying hard to get in there. And well, making... I mean that was the turning point for him. Yeah. That's where I thought I lost the the key points that swung it back in my favor is there's. It's fun to watch on stream if you're not a, a demon fan or Jim because it was painful to yeah, watch. Sure. But he's talking about the tank going to the top of the ruins, and it maybe aces the prince, but it doesn't. He makes all his saves, gets down to two, well, not two all, wounds. but it gets down to two wounds. And the the other thing to to note here is that, and this is kind of it's it's crazy. It's where the dice happen, right? Because Jim casts powers this whole yep. game. I think he perils twice. Like he actually doesn't perils that much at all. But one of the perils is on his key guy trying to do something important, and it does just enough wounds to kill him when he was not factoring... Of course, he was not factoring that in at all. Mm -hmm. So it was this huge shift between, like, he was expecting damage output, and instead his guy dies, yeah. which is this, like, ridiculously swingy, amazing moment in time. Um, and I actually... I had to apologize, because it, it's off camera, but I do a huge fist pump, because that was... We both knew it. That was like, whoa. Yeah, that was... Well, the other thing too, so I actually thought, so going into turn four, uh, things were looking pretty good for me because I think I was up 13 to 10 on primaries and mm. I was, you know, I was getting my secondaries at that point. Um, and then his assassin decided he was going to make his uh, money's <laughs> no. worth. So the turn four, not only did Jeff have an excellent turn four, but I had an atrocious turn four. So um, I managed to, no kills, I, uh, I managed in my turn three to wipe out all his, his terminators with literally no repercussions. They killed like two plague bears and then just went away. And then in my turn four, he picks up Armin. So he rolls that six to wound uh, on the initial wound. And then obviously that's D6. So he rolls the five. So Armin dies, gets to shoot again. I think he shoots at my Terminator Sorcerer and brings him down to like two wounds. One wound or something. Um, like that, yeah. And so at that point, I was still feeling pretty good. Um, but I knew I had to start taking care of these tanks. And so I sent my Corn Demon Prince in thinking... Um, you know, he's going to pick up a tank. My, my plan was, and I had three command points, and my plan was charge both tanks, pick up one, fight again, kill the other. Of course, uh, I roll, I think, a five on my charge. I'm, I'm, I'm like four inches away, and I roll a five, so I fail the charge because it's a minus two. So I had to use one of my command points to re-roll the one to get in. So I get in. I only have two command points at this point. Uh, I think I wound the thing five times, and he makes uh, three out of five five plus saves so the 2d6 wounds brings it down to one wound so i don't kill it i don't even get to kill that turn because i can't do that oh. and then my terminator sorcerer on the other hand cast tries to cast a smite on a four plus because he gets a plus one fails and there's one there's literally one sniper in the building uh yeah. for him and also i think the turn before i was sloppy and i uh i moved him just out of range and that was just a that was just like a, a mistake of my part to not triple check my range but like literally needed to roll a four i rolled a three like doesn't get it off doesn't kill the character so i get no kills that turn that was a huge swing and then his turn four he you know he jumps up top uh the one wound gladius uh, calidus goes kills my terminator sorcerer brings my demon prince down to two wounds and now it's looking really bad for me because um i gotta start falling back because i can't let that calidus that's up top be be picking up my princes down below and so that I have, to, I have to stop getting my bonus point at this point. And my Corn Prince obviously died to Trahan, which I knew he would, but I was willing to make that trade to take out one of the Kaladuses. Um And then at, at that point, uh, yeah, then there's that Perils. So that turn turn four Perils, or turn five Perils, that blew up my, my, my Warlord, which was also huge. Uh, in my, my biggest mistake was turn three, where 
I think I didn't play tight enough. Uh, I should have gone after the uh, Vindicare with both my princes. I should have moved them closer so that they could smite them off, and I didn't. And had I done that, that would have prevented the kind of cascade of events that happened later in the turn. And that one mistake, I think, uh, you know, I want to take nothing away from Jeff. He, when he knew he was losing, he did exactly what he had to do to win. And that's the difference between, I think, an average player and a good player and an amazing player, which is when you're down, you see the play that's going to win you the game. And I think a lot of players that maybe aren't uh, at the top of the game, they're going to get into, they're going to get down in points and they're going to maybe give up or they're not going to, you know, they're not going to take those, make those risks or make those plays that win them the game. They're going to continue in that same pattern that is losing them the game. And Jeff did the exact opposite. He saw that in order to win this game, he's going to have to, you know, run his calluses into me. He's going to have to make a few play these plays and that's exactly what he did. And, and that's a testament to his skill as a player. <clears throat> yeah. High praise. Uh, and um, is there anything else you guys want to add in there? Not, a, I mean, th those, that was the big turn. Like you okay. said, from there it was, he actually made, he actually had a pretty good turn six to make it a five point yeah. game because of how bad turn five was. Well, my turn five as well. Um, I, uh, I also, I, I think I finally killed the Calidus on turn six, uh, but yeah. I couldn't do one wound to it. Uh, oh, and then I brought the other Calidus down to one wound, I think. Um, so it was just on turn six. So it was really frustrating. Uh, and, uh, at that point it was, I just didn't have enough bodies in my backfield and the Calidus was just sniping everything left and right and just running around like a menace. And, uh, that was pretty big as well. Um, you're getting kill more, kill more, kill more and kill every turn. And even though I was getting hold more, you're getting, starting to get the bonus. So it really just turned around, uh, for you. So, um, and I think I definitely could have played my, I could have kept my blood letters in reserve till turn three. Um, I yeah, think I, I threw them away for no reason. Um, they rolled poorly for you too, though. They, they did pre roll pretty poor. Like, like I needed. Yeah. I think I killed like seven models between like eighteen attacks or something like that. Yeah, like the was, charge was really good, but then what they killed was like maybe an entire infantry squad, but otherwise it was just pieces of two. Yeah, and I'm not sure why I didn't fight them twice in retrospect. I, I probably should have, but uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, look, uh, I said it afterwards. Like, I'm I'm super happy that Jeff won. I think uh, you know he's been kind of gunning for that win and um you know it sucks to sucks to, this is actually the second tournament in a row i've lost at the top table and that always sucks but um you know you can't win them all and that's part of that's part of the game and it's funny because i you know you 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 win or you learn right those are the only two outcomes of a game and i definitely have learned a lot from playing uh like a, a list like jeff and um you know i feel like if i played it again i i'm gonna be more ready so mm -hmm. um Right on. Okay, so so let's talk about the the Twitch chat and going going into this game because I I didn't actually listen to the Twitch chat. I don't know. Um, but when you get into these kind of games, um, for if you're an unseasoned kind of newer to 40k player, you're more casual, um, hobbyist focused, however, whatever you want to label yourself as, whatever you want to call it, um, tournament games can appear differently uh, than your average garage hammer game. Right. And so uh, you both were being, I, I thought you guys both were being perfectly polite to each other. Uh, Jeff was being, you know, sassy Jeff, like usual. Mm -hmm. Although I, I don't think he overstepped, um, you know, like, like one he has time done I in did. the past. One time. And Jim gave me a look and then I stopped from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's usually all it takes too. Uh, and, and I thought Jim was, you know, uh, very quiet and gentlemanly the whole time. Um, 
you both did a good job explaining everything but uh people in the twitch chat were were being particularly spicy um so uh, you both have you know, i'll just let you guys take it away god uh i'll go first because i think mine's gonna be i don't know we'll see but <laughs> and and definitely peter can attest to this and i'd love to hear his thoughts too but just generally speaking so i for people i don't know if you somehow don't know but i also commentate and stream on um, Games Workshop's website for their major, or not website, but their Twitch for major coverage of like Nova, Depticon, LVO, that kind of stuff. And then I'm a full-time streamer myself, so Twitch chat is like a constant for me. I, I'm very well aware of it. That being said, uh, for me, the Twitch chat wasn't even that bad. It was actually pretty positive, pretty on point. People were chiming, you know, they were following. Audience was pretty good. It was like four or 500 people for a stream like this. That's not bad. No front page coverage. Um, that's awesome. For Warhammer, I was really happy about that. But like anybody else, I was really excited to go home and watch um, the coverage of this because A, Peter and Mariana did an amazing job. They, I thought the camera work was great. I thought the timing of you know kind of chiming in with the golf commentary was really cool. And having the player's mic is a really fun experience, actually, because on the GW stream, we don't do that because you're liable for what the players say and stuff like that. But um, Frontline Gaming and, and, you know, they not as big of a concern. So it's it's probably for the hardcore fans more interesting to hear the players talking the whole time. And I think the further the tournament goes, the higher the chance that, that becomes even more interesting because you're hearing how top-level players interact in a game. And for me, that's my juice, man. I, 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 I don't compete in StarCraft anymore. I don't, I'm not a professional bodybuilder or anything like that. Like My competition is Warhammer, so... I have a certain style, I have a certain way of doing it, but I take it very serious. I actually practice, I read, it, I want to win. It's like, it's it's what I do. It's 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 my competition and I'm the kind of person that needs that. So it's always funny because this has been my whole life, but I always get these weird comments from people who are like, I think, haven't been in many competitive settings or whatever. and Or it's just a lot of British people because they use the word rude a lot, which is, um, I think it's their national word. Uh, it's something that just, like every time... I make any joke at all or something like that. Or, you know, there's one time where uh, we were like counting, we're trying to do leadership on a guard squad. And Jim was like pretty adamant about it being one thing. And at one point I was like, Hey man, let me just do the math. That to me is like a totally normal interaction. Like he's certain about something. He's just saying it in a Warhammer tournament. You have to repeat yourself like 700 times. Cause usually it's a room full of people all shouting. Um, it's not like you're actually thinking the person's an idiot. And you're just going to tell them, this number they're not aware of or something like that. So anyways, it was all like very normal, but the Twitch chat would just like lock on to some of these ideas. And by Twitch chat, I mean like some individuals in the Twitch chat. And it's just one of those things where it's going to always happen. So we're not ranting and raving because we want it to change. It just can't. There's going to be those people uh, around, but please try to be a little bit more aware of it. Cause it was like Jim and I had this amazing game. We talked at the end, congratulate each other. It's like, it's, it's just a really cool moment. But for some people, they were really worried that, like, one person was cheating. And I can't believe they cheated in this moment. Look at this. They're actually doing that. Like, they were, there was a moment where Jim drops his model and then it just bumps others. And they're like, that was on purpose. And it's like, yeah, if you go into a Twitch chat streamed Warhammer and, and you're waiting for someone to drop models or um, I measured to move my Caladius and they're like, that was way more than 10 inches. And you know what? Here's the thing. Maybe it was. It, it could have been. That happens. Um on uh, in every game I've ever played, I've, I've probably done something wrong. It's not because I'm trying to cheat. It's just a part of Warhammer. And if my opponent's ever like, "Hey, man, you move that too far," I don't ever like look at them 
punch my hand and say, say it again to my face this time, you dumb bitch. And then we like start fighting or something <laughs> like that. Like that doesn't happen. I go, really? And then we kind of like remeasure and look at it and stuff like that. And, and we go from there. Um, and that's so very Warhammer. And I think that's actually a fun part about it. But it was kind of frustrating to listen to a lot of people kind of take it away from that. And I'll tell you what, if you're a person in the scene, and this really only goes out to the one guy that does this, but if you've ever like placed highly and done really well, I don't know, your name's like Alex Harrison or something like that, and you're in the chat, it's probably not a good idea to to join in on that kind of stuff and talk like a dumbass. Because if anyone should be sensitive at all to people thinking that that kind of weird stuff goes down in a Warhammer game or perhaps somebody moves something they shouldn't have, I would think... Literally, riding shotgun next to Jesus in the car, driving to the convention to give a speech on this to all of humanity that ever existed, would be Alex Harrison. This is a guy <laughs> who, at, you know, at worst, is a pathological liar who's cheated in the biggest tournaments on stream, and at best, is simply the victim of an incredible amount of circumstance that just keeps on gosh darning catching up to him. So it's like, come on, man, throw me a bone. But he was in the chat. And uh, he was talking smack, and then after the, the game, he actually wrote on my Facebook wall, congratulating me on the win. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one to do. If it, You won't see In Control TV talking smack in Twitch chats, because that'd, that'd be a weird, uncouth thing to do. So hopefully Mr. Harrison can hear that and, and decide to choose words differently, I suppose. Guarantee you he heard it. By the way, take the high road. SummerSlam 2019... WWE Championship, Jeff, Alex Harrison, is just announced. Yeah, we'd have to do a whole lot of blood testing. Um, the regulations <laughs> that would have to go into place to make sure that Alex Harrison enters into a competition legally uh, would take quite a while. So I suppose when you say the date for that, let's just assume it's 2026. But if we can get the testing aligned up here, make sure he's good to go. I'm down. That'd, that'd be great. <clears throat> Um, and Jim, I know, I know you also had some some gripes in there. I, I don't know if it was as specific as Jeff, um, but what, what was your kind of takeaway going into the Twitch chat and kind of looking at it afterwards? Yeah, so it's kind of funny because when you and just like Jeff said, when you're playing a game, um, when I played John and when I played Junior and when I played uh, Jeff, I, uh, so I've watched two and a half of the three games back on stream, uh, not the whole thing, like like hour to hour i just you know i got to certain turns because i wanted to kind of see see different parts and um the amount of times where someone does something whether it's nudging a model uh rolling a dice quickly not hitting the clock back right away moving the clock there was there was a number of times where just normal warhammer things were happening and people would immediately ascribe it to malice like like you're some sort of diabolical evil grand planner and at one point someone was saying that part of my strategy playing john who like literally i slept with in the same bed <laughs> and we had dinner <laughs> together like we're like good buddies they were saying that my strategy was to keep moving the clock around the table so that i could outclock him wasn't that what you were doing let me tell you guys if our time had even run out, we would have played the game to the end because I don't care. And even during me and Jeff's game, at one point we both lost track of what was going on, and we were just like, "Okay, hey, screw the clock. We're not playing the clock. Like, let's just play this game of Warhammer." And you know, like I, it's my twelfth game in four days. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to measure a very careful thing with 
my template and it drops out of my hand and people are like, oh my God, he did that on purpose. And then like, oh, now he put the model back closer. Look, if I'm playing a game and um, something happens, I'm always trying to do, I want to be back in integrity with my opponent. I want, to, I want, to, I want the res situation to be resolved in a way so that he feels or she feels that it was, it was resolved fairly. Uh, every single time the Twitch chat would would basically there was people saying that they were fans of me and then are no longer fans i'm like what do you who are you like what are you even talking about uh <laughs> like i don't care like i've done everything i can to try to play above board to play a clean game and look sometimes mistakes happen things get forgotten things get nudged uh at one point john actually knocked uh, a model uh that i tri-pointed him with and I, I called him out on it. And I was like, hey, that guy was supposed to be tri-pointed. And the chat pretended like I was gaslighting him. And I went back and watched the video. And sure enough, you literally see him move the model with his hand like five inches away from where it was. And so I just want to tell people in Twitch chat that, or whoever, keep in mind that like the two people who are playing the game are adults and can handle those interactions. We don't need the armchair generaling of like who's cheating, who's not. If Jeff at any point thought I was trying to pull one on him, he would have told me because that's the kind of person Jeff is, and vice versa. I would have told Jeff. Yep. And in uh, you know, in, and there's one point in Junior's game where he uh, forgot to fire. He fired all his weapons on one model, moved on to the next one, and or everything but his flamer on his 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 uh, valiant. And after firing three more units, he was like, "Hey, I forgot to fire my valiant." And I was like, "Go ahead and fire it, but don't." Don't forget again, because I'll give it to you this time, but I'm not going to give it to you next time. Yep. And everyone lost it because they were like, "Oh my god!" Like, uh, I can't believe he, you know, said that. Like, I'm like, well, I'm actually being very, uh, I'm being very like gregarious to even allow him to fire it. In my game yep. against Richard, his turn three, he forgot both his commanders off the table. Like he 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 did exactly what I did against John. And I said, "Look, man, I'll give you the John Lennon rule since he's from your club." Roll a four plus for both your commanders, and if you get it, you can bring them in wherever you want. Sure enough, he rolls two four pluses. He gets both his commanders back. So that was in our semifinal game, and I could have just as easily been like, "No, you can't have them. That's too like." But like, I don't want to win like that, and it's just it's really frustrating to watch people in chat who aren't actually playing that game try to basically armchair general the game like they know what's going on, and then accuse the players of cheating like. John Lennon is probably the fastest man on the clock you've ever seen. He's like Billy the Kid, the way he, he presses the clock. And that actually gets me nervous. And so I was trying to kind of counterclock him. And at one point I, I like I went to do it, but like I literally had a muscle spasm. Like I just I like was nervous and I didn't do it. And everyone was accusing me of trying to play the game on, on his clock. Uh, just ridiculous stuff like that. So uh, and I'm sure during Jeff me and Jeff's game, like there's a few points where like things were really close, but like if he we're, we're not we're not kids like if he decided i'm not going to bully jeff around and he's not going to bully me around like if there was things either of us were doing that we felt weren't fair or weren't being done above board someone was saying that i was rolling my feel no pains too fast okay cool so is there a, is there a set speed i should be rolling them at like it was just ridiculous so um you know mm -hmm. if, if you want to commentate on the tactics and the strategy go for it but not everyone is out to get you and cheat you now there's definitely as alex or as uh no, Alex, as uh, Jeff alluded to, there are definitely people out there that do want to cheat you, but um, you know, not everyone is, is out there, and you know, it's okay to have a, a level of, um, you know, you got to watch out for yourself because there are players that are shady and will will pull those kinds of things. 
but you can't attribute every you know tick or dice rolled in the wrong spot or every knocked model as some sort of like diabolical master plan to win the game through like these minute things that the person's going to do like that's not how people win games they don't win games by like knocking models over and then adjusting them half an inch like that's not a that's well, not a thing well some people do some people do but they use water <laughs> rocks, yeah, right? like that's the big key you need to have something but extra. yeah so so, so yeah um, i don't i mean i could go on and on about it but you know people just need to relax um i've you know we're not no one's not everyone is trying to cheat you and everything you see on twitch is not has nothing to do with the game that's actually being played um so just just cool it and the only other part i was going to add to uh and this was more of like and it's Twitch chat, so it's it, this is more of a discussion as opposed to... Because, again, I, I do want to say, I think that the vast majority of people were actually... Because every time someone said this shit, there was usually a good group of people that were like, no, man, that's not the case. For so sure, it's not like yeah. the Twitch chat was this toxic cesspool of terror. Absolutely not. It's just that there was a number of people that were pretty... And there always is. They're just pretty adamant about weird shit. So we're going to talk about it. And, the like, I can already tell you, the comments in this video are going to be like, just... It, there's always going to be those people just ignore it move on no i've made a career on the internet like i'll tell you right now if you do talk about it and try to educate people there'll be a few that'll like think differently but anyways uh another thing and this is more of a flavor they were very very certain that i was being like a huge jerk and rude and stuff but if all my games were streamed you'll notice something like brandon grant thinks of me as a very quiet serious stoic person it's because when i play brandon grant It'd be weird to be making jokes to myself and chuckling quietly and like huskily breathing because it doesn't <laughs> try really it go anywhere. Uh, it's not that he's a bad guy; it's just that he plays a serious game, so I play a serious game against Don Hoosen, A lot of jokes were had, and it's not because I think uh, I'm not like making fun of Don or something like that. It's just that he's down to do that, and that's cool. And then I was really happy against Jim, and and he was uh, amenable, open to some goofing around and stuff like that too. So there was some of that as well. Um, but I read the room and I play this game with my friends or my opponent at least. And, and if they're not down with that, if they're really nervous or whatever, I don't do it. But I've been on all sides of this. Like I can be very quiet and serious or I can be jovial and laughing. It just depends on the opponent. So every time there's like people are like, I don't like that joke. It's like, okay, that's fine. But mostly Warhammer's meant to just be played between the two. It's being streamed and that's nice. But as long as I, my opponent's having a good time and I'm not taking away from that, that's my big concern. If uh, Kevin Dickinson in the chat from South Carolina is like, I don't agree with his political stance. Like, that's fine, but I don't fucking care. You know, like, we're just, as long as my opponent's having a good time, we're having, that's me. Um, so, again, I'm just putting that out there. There's always going to be people that are like, I don't like it anyways. That's fine. That's totally your choice. But it was just funny in the chat reading, like, man, is Jeff angry at Jim? It's like, no. What? Yeah, and we were joking two seconds ago. We were just joking. And I've uh, I've obviously listened to Jeff on Chapter Tactics for a while, and listened to him on other in other mediums and uh, Warhammer streams. I was very aware of Jeff's personality as far as like what I was getting into going into that game. Yeah. And had there been any point that I thought he was being like a dick or rude or whatever, I would have told him right. And I've done that yep. before. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm not getting up. I don't get pushed around by people and. You know, I'm a very quiet player when I'm, and I have like a, a kind of a nervous laughter sometimes. I think I was laughing at some of Jeff's random <laughs> uh, comments that I didn't really understand what he was saying, but I was just trying to make it feel better. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, like I definitely like that's how I play. I'm very quiet, and I'm I'm more of a quiet intense, whereas uh, you know some people are more of like a like a intense intense, and I think Jeff's more like that. Like he's he's more of a personality than I am when I play. So it was it was a great game. Like I. Definitely had no I problem it, yeah. with <laughs> how how he conducted yeah, himself. And just, and just to tag on, like 
the chat was great pretty much throughout the entire event, but there were just like key moments and it always, it, it progresses, right? As you go through like every game, the more important the game gets, the more of these, you know, that, yeah. that handful of drama. people grows because they want to create drama, right? Like that's what they want. They're not going to create gra- drama game one when Rayomata is playing Jordan Stein. They're having like a fun game. And like the only thing that ever came out of that one was someone asked Ray to sneeze his nose. I mean, which I mean, Ray, he's done so much cocaine. It obviously was blowing his nose isn't going to fix that problem, guys. Um, he's a great guy. Um, like game two, Danny Lolovas versus uh, Brandon Grant. That was like nothing happened in that. It was just a great fun game. But then you get into like game three forward and all of a sudden, you know, the trolls come out. Yeah. And like we live in this beautiful time where there's, you know, a million different podcasts out there. My neighbor has a Warhammer podcast. Like, if if I had walked through BAO, I probably could have introduced myself to everybody by asking, "What podcast are you on?" And I bet everyone <laughs> could have given me something. Um, so we have content galore, content for everybody. Yeah. But for some reason, everybody like wants to get in on like the competitive 40k scene, even if they really like don't like it. So I mean, like the Don who's like Don and Jeff's game. There was like a whole argument about how Jeff and Don had bought their way into winning 40k, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And and uh, also in Don versus uh, Colin Coons, same thing. Like this long conversation about how Forge World should be banned because it's too expensive. And I just I, I don't know. Like I just picking on so that for affordable choice in Games Workshop. You know, it's like come yeah, on, exactly right. Like man, let's go all the way. <laughs> It's just so funny to me that people get, can do that, that they can make the, they can get into these competitive uh, Twitch streams and be like, no one should play competitive. Like, it's just, like, if, if you want yeah. that, I mean, there's podcasts like Independent Characters, which is super swell. You can listen to them. They're super narrative. Um, maybe if you think that soup causes frogs to be gay, you can listen to uh, the Drop Pod. I hear he's pretty good yeah. at that. Um, like, there is all sorts of, of people to listen to. You don't have to watch the BAO stream, which is like a competitive 40k event where people are going to bring, like, be on their best competitive behavior and bring their most competitive lists. Um, so yeah, like, uh, overall, the chat was amazing. I loved uh, talking to them as much as I could. I spent a lot of time trying to run into the other room to try and get uh, table results and still be able to provide commentary in between rounds and and uh, I did wish I had a second ha- set of hands at times, but like uh, Mariana was doing an excellent job with the camera work. Mm-hmm. Like overall, it was such an awesome experience. And uh, like it was. Y- uh, having Jim and Jeff at the top table for me was like extra special because I didn't know I didn't know who I wanted to win. They're probably my two favorite 40k players to watch. <laughs> um, and so yeah, like it was just great. Well, um, there is so much. And also having Pablo nearby was great because uh, San Francisco. (laughs) Get out of here, Peter. He's such a flirt. Anyways, moving on. So there's a lot to unpack here with this rant. I'm not going to touch any of the. I'm not going to touch any of it um, because I feel I feel myself drawn towards multiple sides because I've been both on the receiving end of you you know some really ridiculous statements from online trolls and And uh, on the other. Uh, and on the other side, uh, I've I've know people who've trolled online who, when I talked to them, they made very valid points. I could kind of see where they adopted that mindset. Doesn't make it a right mindset, but it makes them you know a little more human. Um, but I will say that I I love this. So so this is this might seem like like a toxic successful and bad for the game, uh, and maybe to a degree it is, but. You know, if if you go if you troll the NFL forums, you'll see endless endless 
you know, oh, Neanderthals yeah. just talking on about how <laughs> they're, the Ravens are going to crush, you know, Peyton Manning. Oh, he's retired, obviously, but, you know, the Ravens are going to crush, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger and, and they're going to rape his children and, wow. and all that. Yeah, like, they get really, really crazy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, the, the point is, is that um, the more popular this game is going to get, the more idiots are going to come out and watch these events. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, right? Because for every one idiot, you've got a hundred, you know, um, lurkers who aren't actually commenting, right? And they're just enjoying it. And then so out of those guys, those are the ones who actually listen to like my podcast and other podcasts and, and consume and, and kind of eventually make the jump to get into competitive 40k, Right, so those are generally the people I try to uh, push my my points towards, and I, I try to talk to. And those are kind of the people I pretend I am talking to physically, as if they were here. So I, you know, um, but I I think it's good. I I think I think that the more people, the more popular 40k and competitive 40k is going to get, the more drama is going to bring in people. And you know, maybe we'll have sponsored events. We'll have these big, you know, like the LVO thousand plus person tournaments that everyone talks about. Everyone knows. And if you play 40 K, you've heard of these and I think we're getting there and I think that's cool. Um, so I just want to lead with that little, little note of positivity. Um, we're, we're definitely going to get idiot trolls with the, as it grows. And I, I think that's okay. I think that's natural. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, there's right. definitely some good, good people in chat, that, uh, from Lots. Some of the games I watched. So I don't want to oh, yeah. characterize it as being a, as a, a complete cesspool, but, no, it's like it's always just like four or five, right? But they, t- they, they, are, there are times where they'll dominate the, the yeah. conversation, yeah. and that, that's all it is, for sure. Yeah, and if you're interested to learn more, if you're not one of those idiot trolls, or maybe if you are, you know, I, I will take your money anyways. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/ChapterTactics, where you can find out all sorts of good tournament news, talk to all the co-hosts, get more stuff. If you enjoyed this podcast and more, check that out. Also, give a shout out to Jeff uh, at In Control TV and Deadpan Diaries. Jeff, where else? Or tell us a little bit more about where people can find you outside of Chapter Tactics, Jeff. Uh, I'm just In Control TV on all things Twitter, Instagram, and stuff like that. I'm very much so excited about Warhammer right now. There's a lot of GTs coming up. I'm going to be at the Gentleman's GT in Vegas. There is one in Antioch here in California. And. Uh, Frankie and I are going to be commentating at Nova is the plan for right now as well. So I'm just rolling in the filth that is Warhammer and loving all of it. So if you want to hear about any of that, just control TV. Right on. Jim, can people find you anywhere outside of the Facebook communities? Uh, yeah, I have an Instagram account. Uh, it's uh, Jimbo V underscore paints. Um, I usually post all my kind of comings and goings there, my paint projects, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm going to be doing, uh, I have a pretty packed tournament season and I have most of the schedule up there. So, uh, hoping, uh, I'll, I'll hopefully see Jeff again at uh, Nova, maybe, uh, the ETC this year, if, if he makes it out there. Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty exciting year. And as, as Jeff said, like every, every tournament I get, like, I just played 12 games in four days and it's Tuesday today and I'm already excited for the next tournament in like two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it took me one day of like, like yesterday I was like, okay, I'm good. I need a break. But by by today, I was like back on Battle Scribe, writing lists, like figuring out what I want to do. So, um, yeah, I can't get enough. Nice. And Peter the Falcon, where can people find you soaring in the skies online? 
Well, right now I'm uh, still working on 40kstats.com. I haven't been able to update it in the last couple of weeks due to BAO and being uh, away from my home for a little bit, but uh, I spent a lot of time on it today. So in the next couple of days, you'll probably see a giant update with 15 or 20 more tournaments added to that. Um, and next week I should start uh, recording 40k Stat Center with uh, Mr. Val Heffelfinger. Beautiful. I'm That is a show I'm very excited about. Uh, and of course, June's going to be June's going to be a very exciting month. Just making sure, checking my calendar, make sure it's June. Um, the year is flying by fast. We are so much more to look forward to on Chapter Tactics. To the summer season is coming. ETC, ATC, Nova, all the big summer events. I have a very big June where I'll be attending three tournaments uh, on top of Jeff and Jim and all the other tournament coverage. So it's going to be great. I look forward to reading the comments in this one. I think that they're going to be very interesting. And we'll definitely get a few salty people in the comment section that I can't wait to see Jeff interact with. Hey. I hope so. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support. You guys are the best listeners ever. And as always, have a good one. Bye-bye.